You are now tuned in to the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? The following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to the Herd and Ten Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Frutinski. To another episode of the Herd and Ten podcast, part of the network, which can be found on bicbp-radio.com. You can also listen to our show on a slew of different streaming sites, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. I'm your host, Jake Fortinsky. You can find me on Twitter at jfortinskynfl. You can also check out our dedicated Twitter and Facebook accounts at Herd and Ten. Let's get right into it now. I'm not going to waste any time because we have some very exciting guests on. We have actually two guests this week on two separate segments. One is with my brother, Kyle Fortinsky, who is a diehard fan and has a lot to say about the Bills' win over the Los Angeles Rams. After that, we're going to have another guest, which is Dan Feets. If you don't know who Dan Feets is, you clearly don't follow Buffalo football. He works for ABC Sports on 13 Wham. If you haven't heard of that station, you know, again, you must not watch a lot of of football because this guy is everywhere and 13 Wham is a key outlet for sports in Buffalo. So Dan Feetz, super knowledgeable guy, had a great chat with him. We really focused on the Bills' upcoming game against the the Las Vegas Raiders and it was a great chat. So we have two really cool guests, two very different guests and in each segment we're going to talk about two completely different things but still bills related so again i won't talk here for too long i just want to do a couple things do our usual segments that we would normally do every week and i just want to talk a little bit about what's going on with covid so for those of you who don't know um, very recently this week the tennessee titans have been hit by covid19 I believe that at this point in time, there are three players that have tested positive and there are five personnel that have also tested positive. So they haven't specified who those personnel are, whether they're coaching staff or just people in the organization. Regardless, they currently have a total of eight cases, which obviously is the first significant number of cases that we've seen come out of any NFL organization. It's obviously a concern. I think it's something that we were concerned about prior to the season, and and at least I was, 
but entering the entering the season, you know, after a few weeks, things have been pretty good. So I feel like my concerns about COVID and its potential to destroy the NFL season kind of disappeared. But it seems like they've creeped back in. Um, as of now, as of today, the game has been postponed between the Tennessee Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers. You might be wondering, why am I talking about this? This isn't Buffalo Bills football. And you'd be right. But it's still worth noting that the NFL is now finally having some difficulties with COVID. And it's something that's relevant. And the Bills are going to be playing Tennessee in just a few weeks. So if stuff like this doesn't get cleaned up or if it manages to spread to more players on the Titans, it could be that the Bills game could be impacted. So I do think it's significant to talk about just because I think it has an impact on the entire league, including the Buffalo Bills. Now, what's going to happen when that game is going to be rescheduled? And, and I'm not talking about the Bills game, of course. I'm still talking about the Steelers and Titans game. But at this moment in time, it has been postponed. They have not set an exact date for it. They're saying it might be pushed to a Monday or a Tuesday. To be honest, I wouldn't be opposed to that just because then we'd have Tuesday night football or Tuesday during the day football. Um, I'll find a way to watch some of that maybe during work. I don't know. But what's important is there are some issues going on with COVID. It's definitely creeping into the NFL. So hopefully this is a little bit of a wake-up call and the organizations all now take extra precautions to ensure that you don't have the spread of COVID within any other NFL organization. So hopefully everything's going to be okay. And, you know, wishing all the players and those personnel who have gotten it, um, wish them well and hoping that they're going to be okay and have a quick recovery. And more importantly, that it doesn't spread across the NFL because that would be a terrible thing. So I just, I, I thought it was worth discussing that. I also want to note that the Bills had announced that the first two home games would not have fans, but that they would be reviewing this and seeing if anything would change after the first two weeks. And they did release an, a statement earlier this week saying that there's basically be no changes related to the government and what's allowed in the state of New York. And there doesn't seem to be a, a timeline as to when there will be fans in the stadium. The way I read that statement, to me, it seems pretty clear that we'd be very lucky if there are any fans allowed at any Buffalo Bills home games this 2020 NFL season. And even if we make the playoffs, potentially in the 2021 playoffs, I think it would be also really unlikely. So unfortunately for those of you listening who were hoping that maybe you'd get to go to a game, just like myself, hoping we could go to a game, it just doesn't look likely. Some of you may feel it's unfair. Some of you may think that we should be allowed to go to games. To be honest, I'm not. I'm quite conservative when it comes to this. I've been very careful. And I don't think we should be able to go to games yet. I think it's crazy that some teams in some states have allowed fans 
at any capacity, whether it's 20% or 22% or whatever they've allowed, which I believe it is around 20%, I don't think that's okay. I don't think there's a good enough reason for people to have to risk their health. And I don't think there's a reason that the bills and the state of New York should be placing people at risk by allowing them to go to a football game. The games are on TV. Yes, I understand it's more fun at the stadium. I get it. I go every year. I miss it too. But I also understand that our health is more important and I would rather be able to watch every game safely and knowing that everyone is safe and in their own homes rather than to be in a crowd of 20-something thousand people with the chance of getting it. And I don't think the game would be as enjoyable. I don't think standing at a game or sitting at a game for three, four hours in a mask, being nervous about everyone around me is is any more fun than watching at home. So some of you might not agree with me and that's okay. We're allowed to have our own opinion. I just, I personally think that it makes sense. I don't think fans should be at the games. Now things change. If things get better and, and you know, we're able to handle COVID better and people are able to safely go to games, for sure, I'd love to go to a game. I would love for fans and all of you listeners to be able to go to games. But at this point in time, given the, the state that we're in, I don't think we should be taking that kind of risk. And again, you might not agree with me, and that's okay. And if you don't agree with me, send me a message. Give me a reason why we should be at games. If you can give me a good reason why we should be taking that type of risk, send me a message, right? Tweet me. Send me a DM on Twitter. At Jay Fortinsky NFL. I'm happy to talk about it. I'm happy to give my side and go in more depth if that's what you need. Now, I want to get into our usual segment, weekly wins and lazy losses. Now, I just want to note, this is going to be an interesting week. The Bills are going cross-country, and that could definitely have an impact. Now, that's not necessarily related to weekly wins and lazy losses, or at least not for this week. But I just think it's worth noting that going cross country is not easy. Even when there's no fans, it's still not easy. It's definitely not an easy trip to make. And you're playing a really good team in the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, before I begin this segment, I want to say that this segment is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Before I get into the segment, I want to tell you a little bit about the Manscaped Lawn Mower 3.0. This trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. It's also waterproof and includes an LED light to illuminate grooming areas for precise trimming. If you buy the product using the promo code HERD and 10 you will receive 20% off and free shipping. So please visit manscaped.com. And when you go to purchase an item and hit checkout, include the promo code HERDAND10 and get 20% off and free shipping for your entire order. Now let's get into the weekly wins and lazy losses. So for weekly wins, the bills need to be physical in the middle of the field. 
Now, I, I hate to bring up one guy, but I think in this case I do have to. Tremaine Edmonds. This really falls on Tremaine Edmonds' shoulders. He's a big, strong linebacker, and he needs to use his size and his physicality to really take it to the middle of the field. And that's specifically when we're talking about tight end on the Raiders, Darren Waller. He's a big, strong, fast tight end. And to cover him, you're going to have to really rough him up. I think you're going to have to play very physical. Now, this might fall a little bit on Taron Johnson as well. But when you look at Tremaine Edmonds' size, you have to expect that for the Bills to win and for the Bills' defense to perform well, Tremaine Edmonds is going to have to play physical in the middle of the field and particularly play physical when it comes to Darren Waller. Next, we have to continue to attack when we're in the red zone. We're playing a Raiders team that's actually looking pretty good. Their offense is solid. It's definitely the better part of their team. I would say their offense is is definitely better than their defense. And the way you're going to win this game is by attacking in the red zone. When you're in the red zone, score. Get a touchdown. Not Don't come up short with field goals. If you're in the red zone, you need to find a way to score because the Raiders are going to find ways to score as well. They have a strong running game with Josh Jacobs, and they have a solid passing game now with Derek Carr, who's actually looked pretty good just a few weeks into the season. So you're going to have to find ways to score, and the Bills have done it so far. So really, they have to just keep doing what they're doing, which is when you get in and close, you need to score. You need to find ways to get into the end zone, whether it's Josh Allen running it in or passing Either way, you've got to find ways to get touchdowns because that's how you're going to beat a team like the Raiders. Now, for lazy losses. There's a few ways we can lose this game. One, if we fail to have some success in running the ball. I've said this already, but the run game has not looked incredible. It has not been nearly what we expected. But of course, our passing game has been significantly better than at least most of us and at least myself would have expected. I did not expect us to be this good of a passing team. I was excited about Stefan Diggs. I was excited about having so many different options for Josh Allen to throw to, but I didn't necessarily believe or think that Josh Allen would take this significant of a step. I thought he was going to be better this year than last year, but I didn't think he was going to be playing at an MVP caliber. Now, Hopefully that continues. And regardless of if it continues or not, we definitely need to have our run game at least having some level of success. Because I would argue that in the first few games, there's been very little success running the ball. And teams are going to be able to key in on Josh Allen a lot more if we're unable to run the ball effectively. So I could see us losing this game if we're unable to run the ball pretty much at all. We definitely need to find some success running the ball. We also, I think, need to get a takeaway. If we fail to get any takeaways on defense, I think we could lose this game. It might seem crazy because it seems like the Bills can be in shootouts now, but I don't know if that's something that the Bills can do week in, week out. I'm not sure yet. It's still too early to tell. What I can say 
is the defense looks like they've la- lost some confidence. I think that they have lost some confidence. And the way you get confidence back is putting together a good game. Playing good, tough defense and coming away with a takeaway. I think a takeaway would really boost the confidence of this defense. You know, preferably it would be like Tredavious White because it seems like when he gets an interception, the team just seems to get more pumped up than they normally would. And I feel like that would really help. So, you know, whether it's takeaway Trey or it's someone else, I think that the Bills defense needs to find a way to get a takeaway. They need to force either Josh Jacobs or, well, I mean, yeah, I think that they need to force a fumble with Josh Jacobs or they need to pick off Derek Carr, who has shown he can throw a lot of picks. He, If he's forced to throw down the field, if he's forced to make difficult passes, he is not a perfect quarterback. You can certainly pick him off. So I think it will really help the defense. So if they fail to get a takeaway, if they fail to really force a turnover or get a takeaway, in in either case, when I talk about turnover, I'm referring to a turnover on downs, or if they fail to get a takeaway, aka a fumble recovery or an interception, I could see the Bills losing this game. I think it's going to be closer than people think. And I think the Raiders are a really legitimate opponent, especially with the fact that they're playing at home and the Bills are being asked to play at 4.25 p.m. Eastern time, of course. The Bills are used to playing at 1 o'clock. This definitely changes their routine. Now, granted, it will feel like 1 o'clock for them, but the point here is it's going to be a late afternoon game, far from home, And you're playing a pretty good Las Vegas Raiders squad. So I think that that's how you would lose the game. Now, before I end this segment, I just want to remind you all again, please stick around for this entire show because next up we have my brother Kyle and then after him we have Dan Feets. That's right, Dan Feets from ABC Sports. So we have some exciting guests coming on. We're going to talk about the Bills previous win over the Rams obviously I didn't talk too much about it because me and my brother are going to talk about it a lot and then after that Dan and I are going to focus on the Bills game ahead and what they need to do so again stick around and we will be back just after a quick break thanks Welcome back to the Herd and Ten podcast. I'm your host, Jake Fertinsky, and I'm excited because I have an awesome guest on today. I mentioned it before, but this is my oldest brother, and he is also a huge Bills fan. So I'm always happy to bring on family members because they're diehards just like me and they know everything about the Bills. So I'm excited to bring on my brother, Kyle Fertinsky. So without further ado, Kyle, say hello to everyone. Hey, good evening, everyone, or it might be good morning whenever you're listening. 
Um, you know, when I was changing Jake's diapers back in the day, I didn't imagine he'd be the host of a podcast and I'd be his guest. Um, but you know, life takes us in funny ways. And uh, well, how do you how do you uh, see the Bills are three and zero? So that's a bit of also a nice uh, surprise. So lots of good surprises so far this year, and I'm excited to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, for sure. We we love to have you on. I'm sure we'll have you on again. But um, yeah, look. Bills are three and zero. Hard to really complain. I mean, yes, you and I are going to focus on the Bills and Rams game that that many of our listeners probably have watched by now. I hope they've watched by now because um, there are going to be some spoilers about the game. So if you're still recording it and haven't watched it, please don't listen to this show. But um, yeah, look, they're three and zero. It was an interesting game. I think. The best way to describe it is a roller coaster. And I think I wanted to start with getting your thoughts on that game. Obviously, we're happy they won, but maybe we're not happy with the way they won. I guess I want to just hear what you have to say about that game and maybe some of your feelings about that game. Yeah, so it was definitely a roller coaster of a game. I think it went from, wow, this is a blowout win. And we were watching together and saying, wow, you know, we really got them. Um, and we're for real to, uh-oh, here we go again. It's the old Bills to, wow, Josh Allen is, you know, the fourth quarter comeback um, yet again. Um, I think that's his seventh one since coming into the league. And, you know, it, it's really the tale of two teams. It's the Bills team that lets us down and that we're always a bit scared about. And then the Bills of new, which is the Bills team that pulls it out in the fourth quarter and we finally have a QB and a culture that's winning. So, you know, in that way, I think it's a breath of fresh air that we're finally not making excuses and finding out ways to lose. Um, So when you win, it's a lot easier to break down the game. Um, You know, that being said, I think a couple key takeaways, at least for me, both in the game and to start the season would be, um, of course, the play of Josh Allen. um, But also, um, I think the third down the third quarter letdown uh, that we've been seeing across the first three games. Um, So we're only averaging two points per quarter in the third quarter compared to nine and a half points every other quarter. So clearly we're not performing in the third quarter. And I, I, I like to say that that's sort of a coaching issue because we're not coming out of the half making the right counter adjustments to the other team's adjustments but it's also a testament to how good we're playing in the first half. But I think the success of the Bills is going to be not only on starting the game well, but learning to not you know, rely on Josh Allen heroics in the fourth quarter um, to save us. Because we saw when we played Houston in the playoffs, it just wasn't enough. And we can't dig a hole um, for Allen. And so I think overall, great game, some questionable calls by the referees we could discuss. Um, but I would just like to see us play a little bit more consistently through four quarters. Um, and, and I think we could have, um, you know, in all three games, just benefited from a great third quarter, just like in the first quarter, to sort of take it from front to end. Yeah, I think you bring up a, a couple mm-hmm. really good points there. One being the fact mm-hmm. that our third quarters are, for better lack of word, pathetic. You know, averaging, like you said, a couple points in the third quarter in each of the three 
first games or in the first three games, it's it's a problem. It's definitely a concern. It definitely makes you wonder what's going on with the coaching staff. Why are the adjustments being made that are not working? Why are those adjustments not adjusting to the other team's adjustments? Why are we coming out flat? Is it because we have large leads entering the second half and we're somehow playing more conservatively? Is it that, you know, we're just not able to respond to a team's adjustments? I think that those are things that we we don't necessarily know yet. Um, and I think it's definitely a concern moving forward because there's going to be games that are closer. Uh, you know, we had a massive lead in this game and we blew it, right? We gave up 29 unanswered points. Now, that's not going to happen every week. There's going to be a lot of weeks where we don't have that type of leeway we might only be up by a touchdown or even worse we could be down and you can't be coming out flat in the third quarter already down by a touchdown or two because then you're not going to be able to do it in the fourth quarter it's wonderful to see Allen hero ball and win games it's amazing to see him march down the field and have game-winning drives but you can only have him make a game-winning drive if you're actually in the game. If you're getting destroyed and you enter the third quarter and that continues, you have no way of coming back in only a fourth quarter. It's just not enough time for Josh Allen and the Bills offense. So I think that that's a really good point you bring up because I think it's something that all of us need to be aware of and we need to be realistic. The Bills have not been perfect. They have yet to play a complete game, and I'm waiting to see it, and I think you are, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. And Look, I don't want people to get you and I wrong. We're huge Bills fans. We're very positive. We love the Bills. Part of this show is also finding things to talk about, right? They're a great team, and we've been thrilled with 3-0, and but we have to be realistic. They need to play a complete game. They need to be good every single quarter, and so far, although they're 3-0, and playing like garbage in the third quarter is just not acceptable. It's unacceptable. So moving forward, I really think they need to focus on making proper adjustments in the second half. And hopefully that doesn't lead to any losses that should not happen. Now, the other point that you talked about, well, you know what, I'll, I'll, let, you, I'll let you talk more about it, but which is the penalties, or, or, or less so the penalties, more the turnovers. Um, the turnovers specifically being, you know, that interception and the strip fumble or the sack fumble. I think that's probably something that you'll want to talk about because I know that you were frustrated, I was as well, with some of those calls. Uh, you know, wh where are you at with those? I mean, the, the interception... Um or I won't even call it an interception, the turnover that the refs gave to, um, gave to the Rams when Croft clearly um, committed an offensive pass interference, then came down with the ball, and somehow the Rams wrestled it out of his hands once he was down and they got the ball is just a complete blown call. And obviously as Bills fans, um, we're, we're especially sensitive to the fact that we feel we're a small market team that often doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. And we've seen time and time again, whether it was Seattle in the playoffs with a questionable 
or a missed pass interference call, whether it's the Bills um, and the Tennessee famous um, forward lateral, whether, you know, we, we could go on and on and on. And the Sabres have had the missed call with the skate in the crease. The, we're especially sensitive to horrendous calls and it just can't help but feel sometimes like the NFL just doesn't want the Bills to win. And yes, we always look within ourselves first and why aren't we playing well in the third quarter? And why is our defense great, but our offense can't produce last year? And this year, why is our offense great, but our defense can't produce? And we always look for all kinds of reasons within. But there is certainly some truth, I believe, to the fact that the NFL isn't that interested in the Bills winning and becoming the next powerhouse um, because it's not a real big market, even though the fans are the best fans in the world. We just don't have the, the viewership. And for that reason, you know, I really, really uh, find it hard to believe um, that that same call would be made against New England or Pittsburgh um, or Green Bay. Um, and so for that reason, I, I think that sort of set the tone. But that being said, in years past, that would have been an excuse. It would have been well, the refs did it again and they cost us a game. But you know what, Jake? The truth is that play didn't cost us the game. What almost cost us the game was that our defense couldn't get a single stop and we let in 29 points in a row. And the refs didn't do that. We didn't, you know, the, we did that. We didn't play defense. Um, we didn't get pressure at uh, Goff. So, you know, I think it certainly changed the momentum. But the, the new Bills and the Josh Allen-led Bills basically say, you know what, no matter what happens, no matter what the refs um, kind of call they'll make, we need to be good enough on both sides of the ball. We need to play a complete game, as you said, and that's going to protect us from not losing games because of one bad call. We're not going to use that one bad call as an excuse. We're going to be so good that we're going to win despite the one bad call. And that's my takeaway, is that we played one of the best teams in the league. We had a horrendous call that changed the momentum of the game, but we were still able to pull it out. And that's the new Bills versus the old Bills. And the new Bills is congruent with the rest of the NFL, whereby the best QB on the field wins the game. And in the last three games, Allen has been the best QB on the field. And I think if we look back, five, six years, Jake, I don't know if we could ever say that about a Bills QB, maybe with the odd exception from the statue, Kyle Orton. Aside from that, I don't think we've had the best QB on the field for a long time. And damn, it feels good. Yeah, I, lo I love that take. It's, it's true. Josh Allen has been the best quarterback in each of the Bills' first three games. I don't think anyone will argue that. He has definitely been the best one. And I think that there's some people that may feel that Jared Goff is of that caliber, but we saw it. Josh Allen won the game, not the Bills' defense. Like you said, it wasn't those poor calls. It wasn't the missed horse collar tackle on Aaron Donald when he stripped the ball from Allen and got a fumble. It wasn't when Tyler Croft clearly went down with the ball and they basically fell on top of him and they somehow gave it to the Rams, even though their cornerback didn't come away with the ball. It wasn't either of those things that almost cost us the game. 
it was our pitiful defense. It was our very poor effort on the defensive side of the ball. But with Josh Allen, we see something different. We see a different Bills team. It wasn't Billsy. That's what we always say. It's a Billsy thing to do. Well, winning that game was not a Billsy thing to do. And it's a great feeling. It's incredible. I also want to talk about some other things that we're noticing that are also helping lift the team. Before we jumped on this call, you and I were talking and, and you know, you really brought up a great point, which is the penalties. We have not been penalized nearly as much. And it's funny, we talk about being a small market. Maybe we're not treated as well. But the team has played a very clean type of football, very precise, very organized. And I think that that's something that Sean McDermott really believes in. So I want to ask you, have you been impressed with the way the Bills have been handling themselves and, you know, not losing control? Obviously, we've seen Jerry Hughes do that at times. This season, I would say he's been quite subdued. Do you feel the same? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I I was looking it up before I I, uh, came on uh, the podcast and we're averaging only 29 yards a game on penalties compared to last year, 57 yards a game. That's, you know, basically a 30 yard difference. And, you know, aside from the one um, call against Josh Allen, where he was furious after that uh, horse collar tackle and took um, a, uh, a 15 yarder um, for unsportsmanlike um, it's, and, and I don't mind that actually coming from the QB showing his frustration and then what do you know, he comes out and wins us the game. So um, I, I think there, there's a time to take that penalty. And I think that, again, um, the Bills seem to be cleaning it up. And, and it, it goes back to the same point, that when you're a really good team and you're good on both sides of the ball, you're going to get the calls from the refs. And the one call here and there, even when... Um, you know, we're stuck on a third and 25 and the game seems like it's practically over because if we had Tyrod Taylor, he would he would throw a two yard pass and we'd be, you know, kicking and screaming that it was the ref's fault. But no, it was Tyrod's fault. We couldn't throw the ball down the field. So now that we now that we clean up our game, we know that even if we take an offside penalty on third and eight and make it third and 13, we can still come back. We can still make up for that penalty. And as long as you make the next play, um, you can win any game. So um, the one thing I wanted to I wanted to bring up is the is what poetic justice it was, Jake, for um, Tyler Croft to catch the game winning catch, which was kind of reminiscent of him jumping up in the air and landing backwards, almost uh, the same as when they they called that uh, horrific turnover on him. And this time he made sure to hold on to the ball. Um, and uh, and take it down with him to the end zone. And I, I, I'd like to say just to sort of, um, you know, the, the NFL and the refs may not want the Bills to win, but that poetic justice of having Tyler Croft on almost the identical pass, catching it, falling backwards, maybe the NFL doesn't want us to win, but the football gods do, and that's probably more important. Yeah, I, I love that. It really is poetic justice, or it really was. And I, you know, it's amazing that Tyler Croft had an amazing day. 
and caught the winning touchdown. Because for those of you listening, I want you to know I was a guest on a podcast approximately two and a half months ago. And I said that Tyler Croft could become the starting tight end for the Buffalo Bills. And I'm telling you now, I think he could be the starting tight end for the Buffalo Bills. Dawson Knox, however excited we all were for him, and however, you know, impressive he may have been last season, he has some issues. He's got hands and focus issues. What I mean by that is he often drops balls that he shouldn't drop. You talked about it, Kyle. Croft made the catch. He made the game-winning catch. And some might argue that it was easy in the sense that there was no one around him. He was wide open. But I would like to say it was not an easy catch. It was a little over his head, which is the right play. Allen put it in the right spot. He put it high up for a tall tight end to go and get it. But Croft had to go up and get it. He had to jump up grab it, land on his back, take the impact, still hold on to the ball, not let anyone rip it out of his hands, and you have to do that in a pressure situation to win a game. So I think it's great you bring it up because I think Tyler Croft showed a lot to us in that game. I think he proved that he can be a valuable asset on the offense. He can block well with his size, and he's got enough speed and good enough hands to be a reliable and comfortable option for Josh Allen. So I love that you brought him up. Um, I think I'd like to wrap this up by saying the Bills are 3-0. You know, you and I talk about it, right? We talk about the things that the Bills could improve on. We talk about the concerns we have. But in the end, the Bills are 3-0. There's no moral victories. Bills are 3-0. And they have a real shot to go 4-0. And I'm thankful for that. I'm sure you're thankful for that. Um, I just, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you step in if you have anything else to say. But otherwise, uh, I think, you know, we've, we've definitely taken a nice dive into what happened last week. And let me know if you, if you do have anything other points to make right now. Just quickly jump in. Yeah, I think the only point I'd like to make is that, you know, I couldn't agree more about Tyler Croft. I, I think the last couple of years, Josh Allen's completion percentage has been certainly um, quite poor, but we know that the Bills have had the most dropped passes in the NFL. So I've been saying it, and we also had really bad separation in terms of receivers uh, from their corner. So, uh, you know, for the last couple of years, I can't help but feel that to help your young QB who may have struggled with accuracy, not really this year, but in the past, you got to have the most sure-handed receivers out there. And to me, it's clear. I know it's a short sample, small sample size, but Dawson Knox just doesn't have great hands yet. And yes, he's explosive and he runs over guys. Um, but, you know, if you don't catch the ball, you can't really help your team. So, you know, I, I love what Diggs has done. I love John Brown. Obviously, Beasley had a great game. And all the receivers, they got to help out Josh Allen. And you remember the biggest catch of the year was probably um, uh, Gabe Davis against Miami, where he caught a ball that he probably had no business catching that was perfectly thrown by Allen. But without perfect hands, that's not a touchdown. And so I, I think 
you know, speed is one thing, aggressiveness is another thing, blocking is another. But right now, with Josh Allen throwing the way he is, I want guys in the game that can catch the ball. And as long as they're just playing, you know, uh, catch out there, um, I think the sky's the limit. And if we get the defense from last year and the offense from this year clicking at the same time, you know, I, I hate to say this because, you know, as Bills fans, we always overreact you know, after 3-0 C's start, and we saw it with EJ Manuel, but I really think it's, we're, we should be considered in the same conversation as Kansas City and Baltimore. I, I think we're just about there as long as we can bring the offense from this year, the defense from last year, and play four quarters. And I'm excited to watch uh, the games with you by your side. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, of course. I, I like that hot take at the end. I like that. I, I do think we should be in that conversation. We certainly have a shot to be the best team in the AFC. I don't know if we're quite there, but we're definitely knocking on the door. So, yeah, thanks so much. I really appreciate you coming on. I know our listeners love love want to have guests on and guests that really know the Bills. So that's why I keep bringing on super fans, and you are a super fan. So, Again, Kyle, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it, and go Bills. And just one more thing, you know, for all you viewers out there, Jake has had a couple concussions before. He's a superstar athlete and you know, he's a great hockey player, so I just want to let you guys know, just like Dawson Knox is in concussion protocol, had to sit out a game. If Jake is in concussion protocol, I'll be right in there. I'll step right in, no problem. I like that for sure. If I, if I ever need you to step in and take over host duties, I will definitely give you a call. Thanks, Kyle. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Bill's season is here, but tailgates will have to wait. But there is a new way to connect with your Bill's Mafia and other sports fans. Let me tell you about this new app called Playing the Field. Playing the Field is a dating and community app made exclusively for sports fans. By playing the field, you can connect with sports fans for any reason you want. Want to find a friend that won't ask questions when you say you need a table? Someone to go to a game with or just grab a few beers and wings? Need an extra player for your weekly hockey game? Playing the Field also helps you find your MVP by offering a dating app that removes the inconvenience of having to scroll through multiple profiles just to find a sports fan. Playing the Field is available on the web at playthefielddating.com and will have iOS and Android versions later this season. Playing the Field is founded by a member of the Bills Mafia, so you will also be supporting one of your own. Please take a look at our show notes for more information on Playing the Field and their podcast, The Fan Experience. Welcome back to the Herd and 10 podcast. As per usual, I'm your host, Jake Fortinsky. You can find me on Twitter at jfortinskynfl. You can also check out our dedicated Twitter and Facebook accounts at Herd and 10. Now, as I mentioned before, we have an exciting guest on today. We have Dan Feets from 13WHAM Network. Um, he works for ABC Sports, 
Um, he's a reporter and an anchor. So um, this guy knows bills. He's the perfect person to have on this type of show. And thrilled he was able to to jump on a call. So without further ado, Dan, I will let you give some plugs and tell everyone who you are. Yeah, thanks. At least I pretend pretty well, like I know what I'm talking about with the Bills. Uh, yeah, covering the team for about five years now in Rochester. Uh, all of our stuff uh, from 13 Wham is also up on buffaloplus.com. We also have a Buffalo Plus YouTube channel. Uh, we just had a podcast out as well, so check that one out after you listen to this one. But yeah, plenty of good stuff there. So uh, I appreciate for uh, having me on, Jake. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I just realized, I think I could just call it 13 Wham instead of W-H-A-M. It's close enough, man. You're good. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, look, I, I brought you on because I think it's important to talk about the matchup coming up. Obviously, the Bills being 3-0, and they've looked really good at times. I guess the, we saw some struggles last week against the Rams, but I really want to focus on what the Bills have ahead of them. They have a real task. You know, they're flying across the country to Las Vegas, not Oakland, but Las Vegas. And they're taking on the Raiders. What are your thoughts on this week? What do the Bills, you know, need to do to win or, or any concerns you have or anything we should be focusing on for this week's matchup? Well, I think it's interesting that for the first time in, in a long time, we are more worried about the Bills defense than we are for the Bills offense. I mean, the Bills offense is clicking on all cylinders. I had real expectations coming into this season after hearing all of the talk that went on during training camp, whether it was about Josh Allen and, and, or about the players around him, there was just a real excitement. And it didn't seem fake, but I also thought talk was cheap and we really needed to see progress out of Josh Allen. And he has been all of that. And then some, uh, we joked around about it in, you know, the sports office at 13. Um, this is kind of the Josh Allen experience. And last week was kind of a perfect example of it. Really good in the beginning, then really bad in the third quarter and then really clutch at the end. Um, but we thought that, you know, I thought this team was going to go as far as Josh Allen would take them. Um, and they are three and zero, pretty much because of Josh Allen and his play. Now they go into a very interesting spot. I think you made a good point that the travel will be interesting. They, they haven't traveled time zones this year. They haven't done it in a pandemic. Um, how that's going to handle, how they're going to handle that with the time change and all that stuff. But they have issues right up the middle with their, running game and the run stopping ability. They had trouble with that last year at times. Philly ran the ball right down their throats. Cleveland did. And there was that time frame where you were going, the Bills just really couldn't figure it out defensively where they were getting, you know, the ball run down them. And it doesn't get any easier this week going from Daryl Henderson out to Josh Jacobs, who's probably a top five back in the league. This is a good offensive line for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Richie Incognito is still playing in the league, believe it or not, but they have a really strong game and they love to, you know, that John Gruden smash mouth kind of football, which right now doesn't seem like it's going to go very well on the ground game. Um, so that that's a concern of mine with just how they can attack the middle of the field. And not only that, Jake, we saw a lot of the Bills were getting beat last week and they're not getting beat on the outside. They're getting beat right over the middle, which is a concern of mine. I, I think that we have Darren Waller, a tight end, uh, who is just an absolute mismatch for anybody. Now, Matt Milano will probably be the best guy to guard him, and Matt looked great in his return last week. But Hunter Renfro could also find a lot of space in the middle of the field. He's not a 
big name guy or even a fantasy guy, but there's some concerns there right through the middle. And I don't know how healthy Tremaine Edmonds was uh, last week, but he didn't play very well. So there's concerns. You know, you kind of talk about, you know, to give a baseball analogy, you kind of build your defense right up the middle, catch your shortstop center fielder. The Bills have some concerns right now. Um, Harrison Phillips got criticized, rightfully so, for his play last week, and Tremaine Edmonds wasn't great. So this is going to be a challenge, and you hope that there's not a letdown coming off an emotional win in front of 70,000 blue seats at home. Hey, you bring up a couple really valid points. I want to start with the, you know, the middle of the defense and that issue. Obviously, Tremaine Edmonds... Granted, he's injured, but he has not been maybe what we were hoping this year. He hasn't taken that leap that we've obviously seen Josh Allen take. But I want to talk a little bit about you mentioning Harrison Phillips because there's been a struggle there. And it's amazing because, and I'll admit, I did not think we needed Star Latulale. I was almost happy when he opted out. But I feel like now maybe that wasn't the greatest thing. Maybe we really are missing that veteran presence from Latulale. I mean, he was a run stopper. That was sort of the main job he had, right? He really wasn't a, uh, you know, a guy who's going to get a bunch of sacks or, or back up into, into coverage or anything like that, but he closed gaps. And I don't think we're seeing the same kind of talent level from Harrison Phillips, at least not as of yet in, you know, three weeks into the season. A couple other things you talk about, you know, our challenge with Josh Jacobs from Vegas, you know, you, you got a really tough run game on the Raiders side, and it's going to be very difficult for the Bills to stop that. They've struggled against the run to start the season, and like you said, they have another tough matchup this week. What I want to also mention is I think there's some issues maybe on the offensive side when you look at running. I really don't think we've seen anything particularly special from rookie Zach Moss, although he was injured, but in the first two weeks, we really didn't see a lot from him. And I would argue we haven't seen that much from Devin Singletary from a guy who we thought, you know, was going to enter this season as a superstar, just based on the limited snaps he had last season. I don't think he's really uh, met that expectation. Do you feel the same way? Start, yeah, on the offensive, it's interesting. The Bills have thrown the ball about have thrown the ball about seventy percent of the time. Like this is a completely different offense. Like even when when I look back to the Miami game, when they got up by four and there was about four minutes left, they took the shot to John Brown. They didn't just run out the clock. Like this is where the biggest difference is in this Bills team. They are going to put the ball in Josh Allen's hands, as we've seen so far, about 70% of the time. And I wonder how much that affects defenses. Like, that running game is usually cumulative. Like, it usually wears defensive front sevens out as the game goes on. And I, maybe that's just not there. And maybe Devin Singletary needs to get the ball. I mean, he was featured quite a bit, especially in the passing game. He had a couple of really nice cuts on screen plays, which is a really nice addition to this Bills offense. But it, it, it is interesting how the Bills have really shied away from this power-running team where Josh lined up under center a lot last year, and he's in the shotgun a majority of this season. The ball is just going to be in Josh's hands, and it's, it's a weird thing to see. We've joked around about it on BuffaloPlus.com that the Bills' offense is all of a sudden 
joined the 21st century. Like, this is what an NFL offense is supposed to look like. You look at what Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs do. You look at what other good offenses have done. They spread you out and they pick you apart. And it's been really fun to see kind of Josh at times kind of give teams that death by a thousand paper cuts of a dink and a dunk and then a shot. And that's what it's been. And I just don't think there's been that focus on the ground game. And maybe it's partly because of the matchups and every time we try and get Brian Dayball or Sean McDermott to admit or try and say what kind of an identity this team has and they go, well, we're going to win the game. Like that's all our identity is. So I don't know if, again, there's a, the starting corner, it looks like for the Raiders, he's going to be out. So I expect Josh to throw the ball another 35 plus times. Like this is what the team is. And it's, it's crazy to think that I thought it was definitely going to be more of a, you know, 55-45 split, but it, it is much bigger of uh, spreading you out, putting the ball in Josh Allen's hands. And while he hasn't been the, the premier rusher like he was in week one where he led the team in attempts and yards, it's just that threat now that is keeping defenses honest. And it is very interesting because I would like to see Devin get the ball a little bit more because I think when you wear defenses down, he is a home run hitter. I think he was one of the few home run hitters on the team last year uh, to get a screen pass, put his foot in the ground and pick up 20 yards. So I, I, I don't know if Devin's also trying to figure out his role in running out of shotgun because they're, they're doing a lot more handoff on the shotgun. And then when they got to the goal line, Dable breaks out this triple option like it's 1940 at the goal line. So it, it's an interesting new running game. Maybe the offensive line just hasn't adjusted. I think it's a good point you make, Jake. And it's weird because Quentin Spain didn't play last week and they went with winners and Cody Ford. Like we were, we were drilling into McDermott all training camp going, do you want to rotate your offensive line again? Like you did last year. He's like, no, we want to keep it the same. He's rotated it for three games. Like it, it hasn't been set. And, and we, we thought that this is what it was going to be. So maybe that running game is still trying to figure it out, but I hadn't thought about it much until you brought it up because Josh has, thrown the ball to everybody and they've all played so well between Gabriel Davis or Lee Smith catching a touchdown or Tyler Croft that I haven't thought much about the running game because Josh has been that impressive offensively. Yeah. It's, it's such a good feeling to, to finally <laughs> yeah. have a quarterback that we feel like we can believe in that you said can get the ball 70% of the time and throw or run. It's incredible because we, we haven't had that in a long time. And yeah, I mean, to hell with the running game, right? If we can throw the ball and be a 21st century offense and can sustain drives where our quarterback's throwing 35, 40 times a game and we're, you know, barely relying on the run game, I'm actually okay with that. Look, Obviously, I'd like, like I said, I'd like to see our run game get going a little more and and show a little more consistency and and more so like you talked about, really wear down their line and and really that will actually probably help Josh even more. Uh, he's yep. comfortable throwing as much as he has, but you know, in in there's going to be games where he's maybe not going to be as good or he's going to play a tougher defense, and we're going to need that run game to bail out or bail him out at times. So um, I think that that's, you know, going to be an interesting thing moving forward, especially down the stretch. I want to just mention a couple other things and I'll ask you one more question, but you talk about Darren Waller, you know, you talked about him a few minutes ago. I think that that's a great 
point that you made because he has been an elite tight end to start the season. He has looked like a really significant threat for the Raiders offense. He looks like Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. He can move like a receiver. He's got hands like a receiver and he can block like a really good lineman. So I feel like he's going to be someone that if we see a a lack of improvement from the middle of our defense and specifically Tremaine Edmonds, assuming he's healthy, there's going to be a concern there. I feel like Darren Waller can, can really take uh, the game to the bills and they're going to struggle to cover a guy of that size. I think he's like six, six or six foot seven. So he's a tough guy to cover. And with that kind of speed, you're going to have to play tough on him. So I'm hoping to see some aggression from Tremaine Edmonds. And I should note Taron Johnson. I think there's some concerns mm-hmm. there too. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, because, yeah, you talk about Waller. 6'6 is faster than Gronk when Gronk was at his prime. I mean, he's a nightmare. He's a mismatched nightmare. I was impressed last week. Seeing a week of foot, Bills football without Matt Milano, I, I tweeted out, I go, I think he may be the most important player on the Bills defense. I was waving the flag to pay Trey White because he dictates opposing offenses. I talked to Warren Sharp, who's like the smartest NFL analyst out there, numbers guy, just does all that stuff. And he says that Trey White is so good that he makes offenses predictable because when Trey lines up on one side, he knows more likely than not teams are just going to eliminate that side of the field or that wide receiver. That's how good he is, which is, you know, made Levi Wallace the fifth most targeted cornerback. So like he's just drawn the short straw being alongside of Trey white, but Matt Milano was just so at one point he covered Cooper cup over the middle. And like, I was just like, Holy cow. Like Matt Milano is going to get paid a lot of money this off season. And I know bills fans really hope it's in Buffalo because like this guy is just the modern linebacker in the NFL now to be able to cover a guy in the slot. He's going to have a test now because Milano's probably only six and some change. So he's going to, he's not going to have the size, but I think he has some of the speed to, to hang with him. And it'll be interesting at times. The bills went brought in Dean Marlowe for size at safety, covering some guys in the slot and being more physical. Marlowe's a taller guy. Marlowe's like six, three, six, four. Will he be in more now to cover Waller? Because that's that's the matchup I'm looking at the most because we saw, you know, Mike Gusecki kind of have, you know, he, he was able to cook against the Bills, um, albeit late in the game. It still wasn't – still was concerns of mine. Um, but, I, yeah, Waller is, is the guy that I'm most scared of, uh, of of this weekend. And can a really good offensive mind and John Gruden kind of exploit that matchup over the middle of the field? I don't think Carr's going to beat you deep. He's going to try and dink and dunk you, play action stuff. So, look, there was a lot of criticism, uh, and rightfully so, against Tremaine Edmonds. I thought he over-pursued a couple things, and that was my concern going into this game. Even if Tremaine was healthy, which I don't think he was, he still was only got one game and then had to sit out two weeks. Like, the, I, maybe it was just wasn't game speed ready. And that was where I thought the Rams could feast on the Bills, and they did when they got rolling in the second half. So I would expect to see a bounce-back game from Tremaine Edmonds. He's too good to not bounce back is kind of my thought. But Tremaine's not going to be able to guard Darren Waller. It's going to be on Matt Milano, and it's going to be, you know, I don't know if Poyer's going to do it. It's going to be a rotating, and it's probably going to have to be double teams at times. 
but I'm not as afraid of the wide receivers. It's, it's two rookies. It's, it's Henry Ruggs and it's Brian Edwards. Um, I feel comfortable where the Bills matchup is there. But like we said, we're talking about gap integrity again this season because the Bills didn't have it up front. And so that there is a concern. And, and I know we talked about in the beginning, we kind of coming back, but I had really high expectations for Harrison Phillips. I t- talked to him this offseason, how much it meant to him to come back. I thought he was one of the best players defensively the two games that he played last season before he tore his ACL. And I thought when they started to get, you know, kind of picked apart on the ground last year, I thought him not being out there was a big part of it. Now he's out there and they're still getting picked apart. And now could it be more star? So, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting thing whether they're not gelling. And I talked about it on our podcast, maybe there's just so much film now on this Bills system. It's the same guys. We think about it as a, as a positive because of continuity. But all that continuity means that there's more tape on maybe where to exploit them. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking too far into it. But I just wonder, you know, you talk about there's so much tape, there's so much continuity, that's a good thing. Maybe there's now where teams are starting to find out where weaknesses are in all that continuity that the Bills have. Yeah, wow, that's actually an amazing take. I never thought of that, that the continuity actually could potentially be a negative thing. It could mean, like you said, that teams really understand us and have so much tape on us that they can figure out how to beat us. So... Look, if that's the case, yeah, maybe we do need to make some changes in the offseason. And, you know, we brought in some new defensive linemen. But uh, like you mentioned, the rest of the team, especially on defense, really hasn't changed. When you look at the secondary, obviously, safeties, cornerbacks, linebacking, we really haven't had a lot. A.J. Klein, although I haven't been impressed with him either, but we haven't made a lot of changes. So, yeah, maybe maybe we're getting figured out. But. I want to just mention one other thing with Matt Milano. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those fans. Hopefully we can sign him. I had some concerns before this season that, you know, it's going to be a challenge. We have a lot of guys to sign and Matt Milano might not make it. I also was convinced that maybe we'd be okay without him. But from seeing what he's obviously what he's already accomplished, but more importantly, what we're like without him. I don't like that kind of defense. I feel like we're missing. And, you know, you talk about his, his coverage ability. Yes. He's not the largest linebacker, but he's quick. He's good in coverage. And most importantly, he's a ball hawk. That guy just manages to get the ball, whether it's an interception or, or picking up a fumble when, when the line strips it, he's just seems to really have a knack for finding the ball. So yeah, it would be a huge loss to lose a guy like that, especially when you look at our defense. We really aren't a turnover machine. We don't get a lot of takeaways. So losing a guy like Milano, I feel like would be a much bigger loss maybe than I originally anticipated. Um, I think moving into this week, I, I guess I want to get your thought on what's going to happen. Do we want to give predictions? Do you want to give your prediction on this game? I actually, so we do our podcast, we recorded on Mondays trying to give a recap of the week. And then it's, and then it's really tough to kind of predict the game six days ahead of time. It was especially tough with, you know, I also thought that the linebackers, I wasn't sure if they would both play. I thought Milano with the hamstring injury. So last week I picked the Rams in a close one. Um, We also have a let's talk football live show, which is on the 13 win Facebook page, which is an interactive show. And we actually give our official picks there. Um, I went against the Bills last week. I'm kicking myself because, like, there's just something special. Uh, I, I think that the Bills go into this week as the, the better roster. 
Um, even with a couple of guys nicked up, I just don't see, I think it could be another shootout. I would like to take the over. I know the bills are a slim uh, or a slight favorite, but I, I think the bills just, man, it, it's weird listening to this locker room talk about Josh and the things that he does. And, and look, it's okay to nitpick this team, even in wins. Like that's, that's not where we're at. Like it used to be, they were held to a playoff standard of like, this is a playoff team. They should do these things. Now they're expected to be an AFC, you know, championship contending team. So there are now even higher expectations that we can say like blowing a 25 point lead. Isn't good. Like, like that, I don't think that's a hot taker to say that for a little bit, Josh looked like he was in Houston in the second half and just playing backyard football. But when the, when it was four minutes left and they were down and needed a touchdown, Josh made every play on third and 22 and third and 25. And it's, it's just something about him. And that kind of confidence always keeps you in games. And my biggest fear heading into this season was I wanted to see for the first time the Bills offense win games. That I always knew that there were times when the Bills defense would get beat. It's just that, that happens. It's the NFL. Even good defenses give up 30 points. But your offense needs to be able to make plays late. And for the two weeks in a row, the Bills offense has picked up the defense in winning games. And that has me so so confident now moving forward that even when the defense isn't up to par, and now the defense doesn't think they need to be perfect, that you there there was so much pressure. Micah Hyde admitted that it was frustrated for he was frustrated for two years that when the defense would play so good and the offense would struggle so much. Like now the defense is like, man, our offense has got our backs too. So I think the Bills score another 30 points. I think that there are big holes in this Raiders defense. I'd pick another. 38-28 win by the Bills. I, I, they're 3-0 on the overs. I would I would bet the over again, um, and I think the Bills move to 4-0. Now, they can play well and lose these games. That's another thing. They have now have a tough st- of schedule. Who knows what happens with Tennessee now in two weeks, but they can play well and lose games here, and that that's part of the NFL. They're not going to go 4-0 in these next four games. They're going to lose some of them, but I think that they match up well offensively to win a shootout against Vegas. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I was going to go with 34-24. So very, very comparable to what you had. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that that makes perfect sense. Our offense, I think, is well-matched against their young, unproven defense. And obviously, okay, we have some concerns about the defense. But like you said, we're nitpicking, right? We've gone from... (laughs) complaining about real things to just finding things to complain about. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I think the bills are going to win this game. I think it, I think again, and I say this every week, it's going to be closer than we think. And, you know, a lot of people might think, Oh my God, we're so much better than the Raiders. They have Derek Carr. And as you mentioned before, Derek Carr is not a bad quarterback. He is a more than competent quarterback. Now, Is he going to beat you downfield? Probably not. But he can effectively dink and dunk. And they have an effective run game. So I think it's going to be an interesting game. I think the traveling has a bit of a, you know, impact on it. And obviously you mentioned that, you know, a couple in a few weeks from now, who knows if we're playing Tennessee or not. I know they've had some COVID issues now. I think it's uh, they have like eight or ten cases on the team. So we'll see if we even make it to that game or not. But yeah, I, I think I think we're both. You know, on the same page here, the Bills are, are hopefully going to win this. And hopefully you're right this time. Uh, you know, you should have taken them against the Rams. But now now you're on the right bandwagon. So I'm happy to hear that. 
I was, like I said, with four minutes left, I looked like a genius. And uh, then Josh Allen did what Josh Allen does, leads his 10th uh, game-winning drive. And like I said, I think it's funny at times to poke fun at John Gruden, but he still is a very smart, offensive-minded guy who can use some of the things that has picked apart the Bills' defense in the last few weeks. We talk about, obviously, Sean McVay being so creative. John Gruden can make Derek Carr look serviceable. He's not a bad quarterback. You have to respect him. You have to respect the weapons that this offense has. Brian Dable coached Josh Jacobs, and he coached Henry Ruggs. So he knows the ability that these guys have. And it's just funny going into a game going, man, I hope the Bills' defense shows up this week because that is something that I haven't said since I've started covering the team for five years. So I think the Bills' offense, once again, you know, the Bills' defense, again, probably gives up 20 points. You know, I, I think it's uh, – Ed Oliver talked about it. it was uncharacteristic of the Bills to allow 28 points against Miami the week before. But Leslie Frazier even said the last touchdown was a who-cares touchdown by Fitzpatrick who plays hard until the whistle – until the end of the game. So I wasn't worried about that. It was concerning to see them just get picked apart so easily – uh, in that third quarter, which, you know, has perked up our ears. And they're a prideful group. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that Sean McDermott was, was embarrassed by the performance of his defense, but I think he definitely is going to lay into them this week and to know that they expect better, even against a good Rams offense. They didn't deserve to be, you know, they can't be allowing 29 unanswered points. So I expect them to bounce back a little bit um, and, and, back up the offense now for once. Yeah, I think they're going to bounce back at least, at least a bit. And like you said, yeah, give, give us a real shot to win. And we have Josh Allen. So hopefully, you know, there won't be a concern and this game won't be in doubt. But yeah, it would be nice to see a little bounce back from, from the team and a little fire under their ass after that poor effort. Um, Dan, look, uh, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so happy you could. And Definitely going to want you on again. You're you're really passionate and you know a lot about Bills football. You know, you said you've been doing this for a bunch of years. So um, I was excited to have you on and I'm really thankful that you came on. And I think our listeners will really appreciate it, too. So, again, Dan, thank you so much. Uh, if anyone wants to check him out again, check him out at Dan Feeds and you can find him on a bunch of different places. Um, so again, check him out. He, he's a great guy. He tweets a lot during games. So if you love that, he's the person to check out. So thank you so much, Dan, and go Bills. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Come on, get in here. We got to call this thing. Tighten up. Come here. All right, guys, here's the situation. Two minutes left, zero timeouts, down by a touchdown. We gotta drive 75 yards. Alright, we could do this thing. I believe in each and every one of you. But real quick, did you guys know that the Two Point Conversation podcast runs five days a week, Monday through Friday, with various co-hosts and different themes every day? And then you can listen to them on BICBP-radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. So what's the play? Just alright. Just Come on, hurry up. Get to the line and just run, and I will get it to somebody. All right? Come on. On three. Ready. Set. Mother. Delay of game. Offense. 
this one time in Russia, I had boots with the fur and apple bottom jeans before it was a thing. This one time in Russia, my baba got mad at me for going out with wet hair. This one time in Russia, I had to put on all the clothes in my suitcase because it was so cold. And I should have listened to her because that same baba gave me a shot of vodka and a whole slice of lemon rind and all to cure my cold. Well, if you're interested in these stories and more, come check us out at the Russian Sisters podcast. The Russian Sisters, available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and at therussiansisters.com. This is the Kids on the Escalator podcast. Here's CM and BD. Hey, it's Brent. Hey, I'm Chris. We're the hosts of the Kids on the Escalator podcast on the D1 Network. We talk about the coolest stuff in the universe, like comic books, like movies, like video games, sometimes even some wrestling and things get a little out of hand. Currently, we're breaking down every single episode of The Book of Boba Fett, and it's pretty friggin' cool. Yes, it is. KidsOnTheEscalator.com, Dean Blundell Network, good times. Rad dudes.